Hour number three, here we go on the Friday Rush. The Ref Sports Radio Network. We're the home of Sinner fans. I am Parker Thune. I'm here with Travis Davidson. Well, on these airwaves, at least. Right now, I'm at Westwood Park Golf Course. The Turn Grill, more specifically, here in Norman. Travis is up at Ash Cigar Bar in Tulsa, as he is every Friday for the program. And for those of you that have listened to us in the past, whether on the ref or on Twitter spaces or on podcasts, whatever the case may be, you know that Travis and I are both very much into the world of recruiting and Oklahoma recruiting most specifically. By the way, if you want to hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line, you got questions, you got opinions, 405-651-3439. But as we open our number three, I want to get back to recruiting. And I want to start with some thoughts from 24-7 Sports' own Josh Pate, host of The Late Kick, and one of the fastest-rising media personalities across all of college football. Now, Pate does his live show three times a week, uh, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. And last night on his program, uh, he devoted a couple of minutes of his time to discussing Oklahoma recruiting which has shot up the national rankings over the course of the past couple months. The Sooners only had four commits heading into the month of June. They're now sitting at 19, and they have the number seven class in 24-7 sports recruiting rankings. That number should increase. The Sooners should be, I believe, sitting at number six if and when Jacoby Johnson, the four-star athlete out of Mustang, Oklahoma, commits to the Sooners tomorrow Uh, Saturday, August 13th, is when the decision is coming for Jacoby Johnson. But in discussing Oklahoma recruiting, here is what Josh Pate had to say about his feelings, his thoughts on how quickly things have come together for Brent Venables on the recruiting trail. Take a listen. Oklahoma. I've never been bullied to the point I've been bullied by Oklahoma fans. I respect it, though. This is the kind of bullying I like because it means people are paying attention. We did a recruiting segment last week, and we committed the borderline unpardonable sin of not mentioning Oklahoma, which was a little egregious because they've got the number seven class in the country. They've got 19 commits, uh, nearly a 92 average player rating. How quickly has this happened? Well, here's how quickly. Since June 1st, they've picked up 15 verbals. They've picked up nine, or just did, in the month of July. Here is the territory that they are flirting with right now. As you look at some of their notable commits, headlined by Jackson Arnold, Elite 11 MVP quarterback, they are on the precipice of doing something Lincoln Riley never did. Now, there's still a little ways to go. Let's see how it pans out. we got to keep the guys committed. we got to land a few more. Lincoln Riley never landed a top five class at Oklahoma. He landed some top ten classes, so he wasn't that far away but he never landed a top five class. There are people around the Oklahoma camp who believe they're about to land a top five class. I'm not pushing back on that because they've got a couple of guys crystal balled there that if they do end up becoming Sooners, will probably push them up to top five status. There's been some staff turnover without getting into that whole can of worms lately. And there is probably an unanswerable question at this point as to how much impact that's gonna have on this class and potential commits moving forward but I can't know the answer to that. So outside of knowing the answer to that, if I just assume that recruiting will largely maintain its pace out there, this is an answer to a huge question. I mean, when Brent Venables got hired, 
No one on this show or elsewhere that I heard questioned his coaching acumen or questioned you know, whether he can coach defense. The two questions I had, and they were literally questions, not doubts, is what, what, what's the offense going to look like? And I haven't seen that yet. But then the second thing was, how's he going to be able to recruit offensive talent? And there was this kind of addendum to that with A&M and Texas both trending very, very positive in recruiting. Is Oklahoma going to get shut out of Texas too much? And the short answer has been no. They've been able to go pretty much wherever they need to. So right now, as I said, they're sitting seven in the country. They're still in it for several high-level guys. This could be a top-five class. If it is, it'll be the highest-rated Oklahoma recruiting class in the modern era. Isn't that crazy to think about, Travis Davidson? The fact that in year one for Brent Venables, the Sooners, depending on how things shake out down the stretch with some of their key targets that are still left on the board, could sign the best class that Oklahoma has ever had in the modern recruiting era. You know, it's it, it's interesting because when you just frame it like, oh, hey, Brent Venables, first-time head coach, do you think he's going to be able to get it, you know, get it done? Are they going to be able to have, you know, the offensive recruiting where it needs to be? We know defensive recruiting will pick up, but, you know, what, what's going to go on with the offensive recruiting? Well, here's the thing. If you just leave it at that, Sure, you can have some questions and maybe be surprised until you look at the staff that he brought on. I mean, the the top-ranked eventual player in this class, if I were to guess, will be a defensive lineman. Well, isn't that convenient? He brought in 2019 Rivals Recruiter of the Year, Todd Bates. All he's done is sign up dudes. So you bring in Valai, who was just at Bama and had all those relationships in Alabama and Georgia and Florida all along the southeast where the where the talent is just so highly concentrated. Uh, you, you bring in, uh, you know, Venables, who obviously has those Kansas, Kansas City connections, Missouri connections, everything, kind of that Midwest feel to him, and that's how you can pick up guys like P.J. and that Caden Green, and it looks like that might be a pipeline for us. So when you just treat it at surface level and say, ah, you know what, first-time head coach, let's see what he can do. Well, you bring in a, a coaching staff that just on the defense has 13 national title appearances on it, and your head coach now has eight national title appearances and three rings in his own name. I mean, yeah, when you put it in context like that, you think, of course they're going to recruit well. Uh, so how surprising do you think it is, Parker? I mean, look, it's not surprising to me that Brent Venables is recruiting well. I think it is surprising, and surprising in a very refreshing and good way, that Venables appears to be recruiting at an elite level. And that has as much to do with evaluation as it does being able to throw your hat in with a guy that everybody knows is elite and being able to win that kind of battle because... For every Jackson Arnold, who was always going to be a top 10 quarterback in this class and many believed could be a top 5 quarterback in this class, you have a P.J. Adebare, who was unranked until December of this past year and all of a sudden shot up the rankings in meteoric fashion to the point where he's now a top 50 overall player nationally. So for every one of those guys where you got every elite program in the country, every blue blood school coming after him. you you got to be able to take a couple of those guys, throw your hat in the proverbial ring, and go win a recruiting battle against a staff that is on par with you in terms of their ability to recruit and develop. 
Brent Venables and Todd Bates in particular have been able to do that. I think of Derek LeBlanc as the perfect example in this class. Jaquay's Petaway is another outstanding example. But you also have to be able to pinpoint guys early in the process, the likes of P.J. Adabare and Sammy Omasigo. And if you look further down, even somebody like Logan Howland or Cade McIntyre, right? guys that you are convinced can be starters and key contributors at the Power 5 level for a championship program, but that aren't getting the love from your peer programs across the rest of the college football landscape because they're not as proactive with the evaluation process as you and your staff. So, yes, it is refreshing to see Venables and company recruiting on an elite level, but I also think we don't need to look at this as simply Oklahoma recruiting on an elite level, but we also need to look at it as, hey, this Oklahoma staff is evaluating at an elite level. I'll bring up their most recent commit as well, Colton Vosick, whom they stole from under Texas's nose and from under Oregon's nose, for that matter, too. That was a guy that didn't have his first FBS offer, Travis, until last December. I talked about P.J. Atabari. That's a guy that even though he wasn't ranked until this past winter, he had offers dating back to last summer, which is still pretty late in the process, all things considered. But for a guy like Vosick to go unnoticed by FBS schools until December, when Tulsa was finally the first school to throw their hat in the ring, and then for Oklahoma to be one of the first schools to the punch thereafter, one of the first true big-time offers that Vosick got, that says a lot about Venables and his staff being willing to stick their neck out and lay their reputation on the line, say, hey, we're confident that this guy can be a big-time player at the University of Oklahoma. We don't care what the rest of the country thinks about him. We think, in the end, the rest of the country is going to end up thinking about him, what we already think about him right now today. That says a ton about this this staff's overall ability to both recruit and evaluate. Well, and I, and I think it's important to, yes, of course, dive in on the evaluation side because, to my point earlier, of these guys have coached in national championship games and have won national championship games, their evaluations is they know what it looks like. They aren't speculating. They aren't saying, oh, you know, if maybe if we try this, maybe if we try this defense, you know, we might be able to have some success, and maybe if we pair that with, a, with an explosive offense, we might be able to at least – uh, hold serve or at least be good enough you know middle of the road to where we can win a national title with an elite offense no absolutely not this these defensive coaches that we've brought in and and they're looking at it and saying i know what championship players look like because i've seen them before i've coached them before i've recruited them before and i've evaluated them before so they've got that under their belt and and they've got that advantage of having experience, having comps, we're we're a big we're a big comp society, right? You look at the NFL draft, you say, all right, what are the comps on this guy? You know, what's what's his top end, what's his low end, and then they say, you know, oh, he's either a this or a that. We see it in in drafts, we see we see it all over the place. People need a point of reference. Well, these coaches have a point of reference in their mind to be able to do that. I also think it's important that Brent Venables is leading the charge on the zag portion of the zigzag you know when texas a&m signed the best class of all time uh according to points in the the 247 composite 
it was heavily done with NIL. That's been no secret, no matter how much Jimbo wants to whine about it. It's all, it was NIL. So, where everybody last year, Parker, you remember this time last year, everybody's saying, oh man, we need to get, we need to get all this NIL money put together. Man, we're going to be left in the dust if we don't, man, start paying these kids tons of money. And, you know, Ryan Day comes out and says, I need $13 million to be able to, to, you know, to be able to field a competitive team. You know, things like that. Venable said, nah, you guys are all talking about that. I'm going to go the other way. We're about culture, accountability, development. We're about, you know, the person, not the player. Uh, and, and that's what's so fascinating is you can do that, and he was doing that at Clemson, and they won a, nas- a couple national titles doing that, but they didn't even have classes ranked as high as this class will be ranked. So that's what's scary is you've got – You've got a championship pedigree that had done it already, but with less "quote unquote" talent uh, from a star perspective. Now they've got that talent, and they've got the culture and accountability and development side as well. It's it's a, it's a scary time to be an opponent moving forward. We're gonna have a little bit of fun coming up next segment. I like to do this every so often. Message board buffoon of the day comes your way next, and boy, is this take a doozy. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you on the Friday Rush. You are listening to the Ref Sports Radio Network. We're the home of Sooner fans. Oh, Travis Davidson, you know as well as anyone that message boards, especially message boards involving fans of the Oklahoma Sooners, are a wild, wild place. And every so often, you just get a take on one of these message boards that is too priceless not to read verbatim on air. So we're going to do that here on The Ref. Homo Sooner fans, Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you. I present your message board buffoon of the day. Uh, Producer Connor, do we we have any circus music, something of that ilk that we can play underneath this? Because, oh man, this this is truly iconic content. I'm just going to read it. The title, okay, the, t- oh, beautiful. The title of this post, Travis, is Josh Heupel should be head coach at the University of Oklahoma. Here is the post itself. Josh Heupel should be the head coach for the Oklahoma Sooners. Josh had a few things go against him, mainly a run of inaccurate quarterbacks and Bob forcing him to run an offense that he wasn't accustomed to. Knight, Bell, and Thompson were not close to the accurate quarterbacks their predecessors were. So here comes Lincoln Riley with a gunslinging walk-on falling into his lap, dropping dimes all over the place, making Riley look like the second coming. What told me all I needed to know was when Bake got hurt versus TCU and we brought on Knight. Riley looked no better than Heupel while Knight was under center. So had Bob not fired Josh and Josh had remained on staff, I think Bob would and should have given the keys to Heupel. BV would still be at Clemson, and Lord knows what that staff would look like, but I wouldn't have been disappointed, especially looking at how well Josh is working out at Tennessee right now. Travis, please, I I don't want to say something that isn't FCC appropriate on air, so I'm just going to yield the floor to you on this one. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there's uh, – uh, 
I, I feel like Lincoln Riley's departure has really spun some people around on maybe some revisionist history um, when it comes to, uh, you know, Heupel's success and what have you. I mean, Heupel is not, you know, beaten down uh, the doors of the SEC uh, over at Tennessee. So, I mean, I, I'm, I, I know that especially with, the recent wide receiver coach opening there's a strong sentiment of just bringing in oklahoma guys i i totally get that Uh, but that's not necessarily been the been the recipe for success i mean switzer played at arkansas bob played at iowa um so just if you're if you're looking at it through the vein of just hey we needed to whoever bob was going to hand the keys off to was going to be his offensive coordinator then i get it but i mean again he hasn't exactly been lighting the world on fire um you know he went seven and six last year with tennessee you know his last year at ucf he went six and four uh i i i I don't know i don't i don't think and i don't think he has the recruiting class that he has right now uh without the haslam paycheck behind it uh I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily be on board. I, I do hope that the uh, administration, the athletic department, everything, when we do go to the SEC, finds a way to maybe that's a Josh Norman thing uh, to repair that relationship so much that we can give him a nice welcome back video or something like that uh, and try and repair that relationship. But you can count me out as uh, as Josh Heupel is the answer at head coach for the University of Oklahoma. What say you? The thing that gets me, the thing that gets me is the last sentence of this post, especially looking at how well Josh is working out at Tennessee right now. Uh, you said it, Travis. They won seven games last year. Now look. I like Tennessee as a program. I think they're headed in the right direction. I like Josh Heupel as a coach. But is there anybody that could look me in the eye and with sincerity and a straight face tell me that they would trade Brent Venables for Josh Heupel right now? I understand it's kind of a revisionist history take, and that's maybe what it's angled toward. But really? Why is this even worth hypothesizing about? Josh Heupel's a fine coach. Tennessee's a fine program. They're going to have success in the SEC. They'll be a bowl-eligible team every single year. But consider this, Travis. Here's what you're going to get at Tennessee with Josh Heupel at the helm. You're going to get a bunch of consecutive years where you win seven, eight, and in some cases nine games. You will go to the Music City Bowl or you will go to the Belk Bowl or you will go to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. I don't even know which bowls the SEC has direct affiliations with. But that's kind of the ceiling at Tennessee. Unless things change drastically and, like you said, you just have a ridiculous amount of the Haslam's money pumped into that program to the point where they almost can't help but be elite. I don't foresee that happening. At Oklahoma, what you have is you have a legitimate blue blood in college football a brand and a tradition that sells and recruits itself, a lineage 
and a tradition of excellence. And I'm not just talking about championships, but I'm talking about college football playoff appearances, conference titles, double-digit wins upon double-digit wins year after year after year, dating back a quarter century. Why is, why is this comparison being made on any plane right now? And why is this hypothesis, why is this revisionist history bit being thrown around? Man, we fo- football yeah, cannot I, come soon enough, Travis. When we've gotten to this point yeah, on the message boards, that, the season just needs to hurry up and get here. I think I think it legi- I think it legitimately just came down to who 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 is the antithesis of Lincoln Riley, who is the anti Lincoln Riley, and it would be some people would say the anti Lincoln Riley is Brent Venables, but some would say well the anti Lincoln Riley in the same vein would be. Josh Heupel, but I mean seven and six. The last time Oklahoma had a record as bad as seven and six, John Blake, may he rest in peace, was the head coach. And I know a lot of you listening right now are shuddering at the thought of going back to the Blake years. Well, that's what he has been in at least his first year at Tennessee. And I don't know. I think Oklahoma standards are a little bit higher than that. And I think that uh, that I am very pleased with the current direction, as I believe most people are. On the Air Comfort Solutions text line, one listener says, Teddy wrote the hypo post. <laughs> I know for a fact that isn't true, but uh, Teddy does like to have his fun with this fan that's, base. Gunny of Stutzman Army says, text. it's not worth wasting breath on this subject. BV is my guy, so it has been said, so it shall be written. Another listener says, BV has such integrity and respect that few have anymore, it seems. I would be honored to have my children play for them to be any part of the BV regime. One more listener says, ending a long work week with Parker and Travis is the best way to start off the weekend. Keep up the awesome work, guys. Boomer. Appreciate that. This is, you know, what's interesting is, Travis, we're going to go four hours uh, cover to cover on this installment of the Friday Rush. That's not even going to touch the longest Twitter space that we have ever done we had some of those spaces especially during coaching search week that ran on what eight nine hours at times oh man it 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 felt like 10 or 12 but i think what four hours i think that's uh i think that's about the time that uh danny uh, stutzman and his father were going at each other i think that happened for a full four hours uh, on one of the spaces so yeah it's, it's certainly that's this is short work this is light work and we didn't have any commercial breaks man I I feel like uh, I feel like Steely kind of a little bit man back in my day back in my day when we were doing spaces we didn't have any of these commercial breaks <laughs> oh man uh, one listener on the text line says Parker and Travis know it all don't ever have an opinion that differs from theirs well that either means Travis that we're sages or cult leaders one of the two. Uh, no, it's. Uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, I'm pretty sure that's sarcasm right there. Uh, don't ever have an opinion that differs theirs. I don't feel like we go after too many people uh, that uh, um, maybe have a different opinion. But hey, it is what it is. Uh, somebody else said, "Did Heupel's mom write that?" <laughs> oh, so there you go. That is your <laughs> I'm message. I'm not sure board. Heupel's mom tunes in. I'm yeah, not sure I, she I'd, I'd hope on the message not. boards, which she might. 
Heupel's from South Dakota, and he's coaching at Tennessee now. If he has any kin yeah, in we'll Oklahoma, if he has anybody close to him that's listening to this show right now, I would be very surprised. But regardless, yeah, I don't, I don't think Cindy Heupel's on here. the message boards. <laughs> All right, hour number three of the rush rolls on next. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson. I'm at the Turn Grill out at Westwood Park Golf Course here in Norman. Travis is in Tulsa at Ash Cigar Bar. Hour number three continues. Lots more Sooner football talk. Lots more recruiting talk coming your way next. Keep it right here. The rush continues on this Friday. Parker Thun, Travis Davidson here with you. Hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line with your thoughts and opinions. As many have done throughout this third hour, 405-651-3439. Well, it didn't take long for a Jai Hall to hit Twitter, Travis. Uh, he respond. He well. He, the, the thing with the Jai Hall is he doesn't actually tweet anymore. Oh, I- he only responds to other people's tweets. So what he did is, uh, basically, there was a Texas fan account that posted a meme implying that a Jai Paul and UT Parking Services were at odds, and a Jai Hall responds, "Been coming for my car since I got there." And, of course, for those unfamiliar with the situation, Ajay Hall was arrested for, I believe it was criminal mischief was the official charge last night after he allegedly tried to remove a parking boot from his vehicle. And he has since been suspended indefinitely from all team activities at the University of Texas. Am I the only one that's seeing some definite Antonio Brown parallels here, Travis? Man, I just and and I I am I am completely being unfair here, and I'm aware of that. But he says, "Been coming for my car since I got there," and he absolutely spelled there, T H E I R, instead of T H E R E. Um, yeah, th- this thing was this thing was never going to get off the ground let's being honest oh boy the culture does not get any prettier down there in austin and you have to want at this point travis you have to legitimately wonder because i figured texas was going to be better this year not good but better it's hard to get much worse than five and seven playing in the big 12 and being yeah, a true, program true. with as much of a brand as the university of texas right like at this point Based on all of the storylines that have come out of the 40 acres in the preseason thus far and throughout fall camp, not just a Jai Hall, but the apparent the, the apparent non-dominance of Quinn Ewers and literally zero reports, good or bad, about the defensive side of the football, which tells you all you need to know right there. Like, is there a chance it's just as bad in 2022? Is that wishful thinking? Well, I don't know. I I mean, I don't think it'll be quite as bad. I mean, we'll have to see. I don't think it'll be quite as bad. You know, it'll be real bad if they have, I don't know, uh, a, a pet monkey of a stripper bite a kid or something like that. Like, if that happens, um, then, then, then that's going to be something to worry about. But until that happens... You know, I'm, I, I don't know. I think things will turn around a little bit. I mean, maybe maybe seven and five. Maybe that's what five, turning five and seven around looks like, is literally turning it around to seven and five. 
Oh, man. One listener says, come on, guys, four hours? It didn't even take Muleshoe that long to decide to go to USC. That's from Southpaw Sooner. <laughs> and I think he put on a the nap Ajay- in there. I think, yeah, I think that's he put tr- a nap in there, too. <laughs> didn't, didn't he say he wanted to rest a little bit? So he, he, he got the offer, he took a nap, and then he woke up and, uh, and decided. So, yeah, that's a good point. Another listener uh, referring to the Ajay Hall situation says, you could say he got the boot. Well done. Oh, well done. No. Oh, no. He, yes, yes, he did. And here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I know that every single Texas fan is, you know, shouting this from the mountaintops right now, saying, man, it was just UT parking. It's not like he committed a big crime. It, he just removed a boot from his car. Yeah, they put the boot there because they gave you a ticket. How you get the boot, boot off is you pay the ticket. I mean, that's it's it says it's illegal, and I don't care. If you've had illegal issues in the past and you come and you try and do, whether we like it or not, or, you know, depending, throw the severity out the window, if you perform a criminal act and get arrested for it it is what it is you can't there's no severity of the issue it's look the guy had problems in ultra uber good culture bama and then ends up at texas and all it can't even get on the field before he's arrested and it doesn't matter what he's arrested for he did something illegal he knew he was doing something illegal as he did it he can he can get as mad at ut parking as he wants he knew it was illegal when he did it, so cry me a river. This text is too funny not to read. One listener from the 214 says, I hate to say this, but the only real competition between Heupel and Riley is the receding hairline battle. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, somebody, uh, an- Another listener says, Texas is just the Cleveland Browns in an uglier shade of orange. I mean, that co- that comparison has more and more merit with every passing day because the Cleveland Browns are a dumpster fire at the administrative level, and it just doesn't seem like Texas is in a whole lot better of a place at the moment. And winning cures all ills. We know this. But at one point, or I'm sorry, at what point is there too many – at what point are there too many distractions? At what point is there too much travail within your program for you to win? I feel like if we're not already at that point with Texas, we're sure getting close to it. Back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, one listener asks, I text this yesterday, but I don't believe I got a response, so sending again. Thank you. Any news on a new intro video? This year, the intro video has been lacking the last few years. Just doesn't give you that full pumped up feeling. It's felt incomplete almost. Maybe it was just because of Lincoln. Hopefully this year reflects Brent's intensity. I wish they would get back to playing the video, then going to watching them coming out of the locker room doors. The anticipation alone got the blood flowing, but hoping for a better intro this year. Well, to be honest, uh, I, I, I can say this on pretty good authority. I'm confident that the staff at Sooner Vision is going to roll out a whole bunch of new content for the new era of Oklahoma football under Brent Venables. And also, if you need an intro video to get the blood flowing, look no further than the scene setters that are performed by our man Toby Rowland because they are phenomenal every week, every year. Yeah, and and, and here's the thing. With the intro videos, for me, 
it was always the bell, right? When you heard that bell ding, that, that's what always sent me uh, sent me through the proverbial roof, as I do know that the stadium does not have a roof. But uh, I think one of the things that we can really look not forward yet, to Travis, this year. Not yet, Travis, not yet. Not yet, not yet. Um, <clears throat> I think one of the things you can really uh, look forward to this year, and a hire that probably went a little bit under the radar, was the hiring of Tyler Kofer. Um, he's associate athletic director of fan engagement and production. Uh, he was previously, uh, you know, a couple different spots, but most notably uh, in Las Vegas with the Las Vegas Golden Knights, uh, an NHL team that uh, has come onto the scene and was very well known uh, across the country for their incredible intro videos. Their introductions were absolutely insane. It was something that was perfectly fit for Vegas. And of course they used the white ice um, to uh, you know to display all kinds of incredible shows and this that and the other uh, with the new LED lights that the uh, that, uh, Gaylord Memorial uh, Family Stadium has. It's possible you see some more interesting things specifically during night games um, but Tyler Kofer is a stud when it comes to fan engagement um, the production value pregame that kind of stuff so look for there to be drastic blood pumping uh, improvements in that area all right we'll get back to talking fall camp on the other side here on the ref home of sooner fans it's the friday rush parker thune travis davidson talking ou football and recruiting four full hours today and we've almost put three of them behind us last segment hour number three coming up next keep it here on the ref Back to wrap up Hour 3 of the Rush. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Look, we're doing this thing Twitter space style. We're interacting with all of you. So hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439 with your thoughts and opinions. And as we kick off this final segment of Hour number 3, Travis, I want to throw a question from the Air Comfort Solutions text line at you. You're going to have to pick a side on this one. This listener asks, Ooh, okay, would you guys okay, rather have Justin Broyles or Justin Harrington on the field at nickel slash cheetah? Oh, man. Um, you know, give me Justin Harrington. Uh, I know Broyles uh, is a definite leader on that team. Uh, he's been there a long time. He's certainly got his value and upside. But, man, Justin Harrington just from a physical standpoint. Uh, he was even taking uh, some of the young DBs to the side the other day and helping coach them. Uh, that kind of stuff shows me that we always knew Justin Harrington had the physical skills, uh, but it was really coming around on that leadership role, uh, you know, getting into that playbook, everything like that. Well, it seems to me at least and to, and to some others uh, that are closer to the situation, we'll call it, um, that he is ready to make those changes and that he has made those changes. So give me Justin Harrington. Uh, do you agree or are you going, uh, are you going broils on me? Look, I love Justin Broyles, and I take a lot of flack for pumping up Justin Broyles as much as I do. I think a lot of this fan base has beef with him. I think it probably stems back more than anything else to that 2019 Peach Bowl because that's, that's a hard memory to bury. Right, Travis. But I, I really do like Justin Broyles as a football player, and he's done everything the right way. But that said, when you look at what Justin Harrington brings to the table from a physical standpoint, 
there just aren't many guys that are built like him, that have the versatility and the physical tools that he has at his disposal. Now, it hasn't really all come together yet on the field, but from everything uh, that he accomplished down the, spre- the stretch in spring after rejoining the team, uh, based on everything I've heard about him since fall camp kicked off last week, I'm confident in asserting that Justin Harrington is going to figure it out in 2022. And I think if that's the case, he is probably, on the whole, a better option than Justin Broyles at that nickel-slash-cheetah position. Okay, next question from the Air Comfort Solutions text line. QB2 for 2022. Which camp are you in here, Travis? You like Davis Bevel? You like Nick Evers? Are you rolling with Booty? Uh, I am uh, I am raising my right hand, going with Booty. Uh, I'm in I'm in Camp Booty. I think uh, I think he throws a good ball. Uh, I think that he's got uh, that good pedigree we always hear about, uh, Mr. Manning. I mean, the Booty family, you know, they've been known to spin it as well. Maybe not at the Hall of Fame level or the Super Bowl level, but uh, he's definitely got it. He looks the part. Uh, you know, heard great things about him throughout the summer, and uh, yeah, I'm. I'm in. I'm in the booty camp. Where are you, man? I'm torn right now because, and I was talking to a couple of folks yesterday, and kind of got the same vibe from talking to those folks, both of whom are close to the program. And uh, the vibe that I got was right now, if you had to set the depth chart today, it's probably Davis Bevel that's QB two, but by the end of fall camp, there's a very good chance it's General Booty. So. I would say coin flip between the two. I do think Booty has the higher ceiling. So I'm with you. I'm with you, Travis. I want Booty. Last question here from the Air Cover Solutions text line before we hit the top of the hour and roll into the fourth and final hour of the rush here on a Friday. Bobby from Austin asks, here's a topic. You're tasked with designing the new alternates to replace the Rough Riders. What would you design? Oh man, I think I'm gonna. I think, and I know that uh, um, there's a certain sect of OU uh, nation out there, our listeners, that have their their index finger and their thumb on the dial, ready to change the station if I say I want black alternates. So I'm gonna go ahead and disengage with them, and I'm gonna say, give me the all red fits. That they wore, uh, you know, in the party in the, in the palace uh, that we saw Jackson Arnold in. We saw a bunch of the players in. The full head-to-toe crimson look is a sharp look. I, I would love to see something like that uh, take the field. I know it's not a completely new design, uh, but, uh, yeah, give me the all red. Uh, here's my take. Travis and people are either going to love this or they're going to hate this but I look at the alternates that the basketball team has used from time to time the anthracite look and I think if you're going to go with an alternate and I'm one of those that believes you can't do a whole lot better than the classic crimson top white pants at home and white jersey white pants on the road i think the white on white is the best look that oklahoma has agreed but if you're gonna roll out an alternate pull out an anthracite one man and i don't mind the rough riders i don't i really didn't mind that all red look 
I, it wasn't my favorite. I think my favorite is probably the white Rough Rider top with the red pants. But I don't mind the Rough Riders as the alternates. If you're going to go a different direction, give me anthracite, man. It's a good look. I like it. I don't know how it would translate from a basketball jersey to a football jersey, but every time the basketball team, either men's or women's, wears it, I'm like, you know what? I, I like this. Like, this is not the worst. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think if I got to bring back one uniform, and I put this out on Twitter. I think, I've, I, think I may have said it on Aaron, so sorry if I'm repeating myself, but uh, – I know we lost in the jersey, but I'm I'm of the belief that a uniform does not make you throw pick sixes. A uniform does not make you uh, give up punt return touchdowns. I would love them to bring back the anniversary OU Texas uniforms that had the gold trim, the gold detailing on it, the accents around the number, and uh, in both of the logos that were on the uh, – the collarbone chest area i would love for those to come back lastly and i know like i said i know we lost in them so i i would i would i would prefer a different outcome in them maybe if we could get revenge in them a bit of redemption in those i would like that thought it was a sharp look and also going back to our conversation about both of us uh um thinking general booty might be qb2 i i hope that down the line we aren't called booty bros like we are Baker bros for defending him in the league. <laughs> oh, boy. we can. One would certainly hope that's not the case. All right, final hour of the rush comes your way next. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you on The Ref. We'll be back to wrap up Friday with one final hour coming up next. Keep it here.